0: Hi everybody, I'm Brian Norcross. This is Fox Weather's Tracking the Tropics podcast number four of the 2022 hurricane season. Coming up on today's episode is the longtime chief meteorologist at WTVT Fox 13 in Tampa St. Pete. Paul took over when the legendary meteorologist for Tampa Bay, Roy Leap, retired after 40 years in 1997, and Paul's kept the tradition of high-level weather coverage at that TV station going into the modern era. We'll talk about what has made WTVT such a great weather station for decades. Alumni who worked under Roy Leap include Bob Breck, who was the voice of hurricanes in New Orleans for 40 years at WVUE, and Pete Giddings, a mentor of mine and a great meteorologist at KGO in San Francisco for years. Mike McCall has been on Channel 6 in Tallahassee now for almost 30 years, and there have been lots of others as well that all trained and worked under the amazing Roy Leap. I'll also talk with Paul about what makes the Tampa Bay region especially vulnerable to hurricanes and how you communicate in a region where hurricanes don't happen very often, but the risk of bad things happening is super high if one does come along. My conversation with Paul Delegato is coming up in just a moment. I'm recording this on Tuesday, July 12, 2022, As of today, the tropics are quiet, but we're watching the northern Gulf. There's an area of low pressure that's creating very heavy thunderstorms offshore of the Gulf Coast. Generally, low pressure is forecast to remain in that area for the rest of the week. If it does that, then the possibility of storms continues. The big question is whether the thunderstorms stay offshore or whether they drift over the coastal sections from Louisiana to the Florida Panhandle. It's going to be a close call, so we're going to have to watch for that. If a strong cluster stays offshore, and remember the Gulf water is extra warm this year, Then there's some chance it could develop into a tropical depression or something, though the chances look pretty low right now. The National Hurricane Center is not ruling it out. Flooding rain looks like the big threat if the storms drift north over land. That's not 100%, but still there is that uh, significant threat again from Louisiana over to the Florida panhandle. So I'll be back with my conversation with Chief Meteorologist at Fox 13 WTVT in Tampa, Paul Delegato, coming up in just a moment.
1: Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at FoxBusinessPodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
0: Hi, Paul. Thanks for coming on.
1: So glad, glad to be here, Brian. Pleasure.
0: So pretty much every meteorologist I, I've ever met, uh, especially in TV and maybe any meteorologist says there was this storm when they were a kid and so forth and so on. Was, was that your story?
1: Uh, I, you know, I guess so. I mean, I, I know a lot of you watching right now certainly remember the blizzard of 78 and, mm-hmm. and, and in, in our kind of generation, right. in Harvey, age, Leonard. Three,
0: yeah. uh-huh. Harvey Leonard. <laughs> yeah. Harvey Leonard.
1: And uh, I interned with Harvey who just, who just mm-hmm. retired. Um, that was the storm that, you know, I look back on and I was a senior, in high school
0: so this and was in the boston I, area the blizzard of 78 you know, Nat- was Nat- really yeah, impactful. Nat-
1: yeah suburb of boston and, yeah. I, and I remember sitting in, in in school looking out the window at noon on february 6th and saying this is gonna, you know just looking at this is really bad and then never going back to school again for three weeks and this is in a area that snows a lot so yeah. you know yeah. we miss a day or two we don't miss three weeks of school and, and it actually worked out good because I was a senior in high school and that means you never make the time off. So that was a big <laughs> bonus for us. Right. Uh, but that was the, you know, the storm that, you know, I, I still think back on and as long as it was, what's it like 40 is it 44 years ago now, for, yeah. yeah, 44 years ago. And I still remember it like it was yesterday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know it's something 40,
1: 41, see no 38 inches of snow at my house. Yeah. But then you had winds also 60, 70, 80 miles an hour.
0: Yeah, I know. If you go back and look at the uh, TV coverage, uh, recently looked at TV right. coverage uh, of uh, that storm. it's And the radio coverage of WBZ is really, sure, really, really um, monumental, actually. One of those moments in broadcasting. So then, uh, so you're a senior in high school and, you know, you get the meteorology bug and you end up going mm-hmm. to Linden State uh, in, in Vermont. Or had you already planned to do that before the blizzard?
1: I think I, I planned on I planned on doing that, um, and what a great experience that that was! Uh, being up in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, which is um, you know extremely cold, extremely rural, but just a, a close knit community of of meteorologists that that came all around, generally out of the Northeast. And mm-hmm. I'm still friends, uh, Nick Gregory, who, who who works at at Fox Five there in New York, and just a whole bunch of uh, us have stayed in contact together. And, and that was a great experience. And then when I graduated, you know, it's I think I graduated during a time, this is the 1982 when the economy was not good. Right. So right. I, I, I couldn't find a job, mm-hmm. bank teller for a year and finally found a job at a private weather company in Ithaca, New York mm-hmm. uh, for a, a guy named Kevin Williams, who's up in Rochester now and and i i moved from natick to ithaca to not be on tv but just to do private forecasting ski resorts um public works newspapers radios radio stations and i got paid four dollars an hour and, and that was my and that was my first job
0: yeah in, when you were in, the in the college business. did you you know think you wanted to be on tv was that the goal um
1: you know i think i i did but you know i had this ridiculously bad boston accent uh Had occasionally stuttered and and knew that I had to work through some some issues as to kind of get rid of all that unless I wanted to stay and and be on TV in Providence or Boston or or Portland, Maine. But um, it, it was something that was in the back of my mind that that I certainly wanted to kind of go down that road. But it's tough to get that first job, especially when you're in the Northeast. Not a lot of small markets, so. I went to work for a private company just to get some experience.
0: And you got, uh, so you were doing radio, so you got to work on your voice some. Yeah. Because then eventually you you made the transition to TV. How'd that happen?
1: Uh, Went to, um, first of all, went to another private company called Weather Services Corporation in Bedford, Massachusetts, and and came to help to put together that color weather page. Uh, USA Today had that big color weather page on the back right. page and of course newspapers yeah, that was kind of, kind of groundbreaking
0: at the time to, that to have a big that deal. The color and, thing in a newspaper Yeah, yeah. so i
1: w- worked on that and and that was successful did some some more radio and then my first tv job was up in portland maine at the cbs station wgme and um came in to do uh, an audition and, and and this is a funny story i went on tv and it was the first time really ever on on tv and I couldn't read the numbers. I, I, I for the first time I realized that I, I had I need to get contact. I need to get glasses. I just mm-hmm. I was nearsighted. So on the on the teleprompter where the maps are, I, I realized that I couldn't see the temperature. So I was making stuff up. And and, <laughs> and the news director came in and said, "You did an okay job, but you kept on reading these numbers and they were wrong. Can you get some glasses?" So I went uh, went to the eye doctor, got some glasses. And then what was interesting? The next day I came in and. Did, did the weather, and then the news director came back out, he goes, well, w- what are you doing here? You're, you, the glasses that I bought were photochromatic, so it looked like I was wearing sunglasses. And, and the guy was, was saying to me, are you trying to be funny? You don't wear sunglasses on TV, so <laughs> that was a whole nother story. Uh, he thought I was being a wise guy. He goes, what, what are you actually gonna be on TV with sunglasses, dude? And and uh, I said, no, I just didn't realize that they were, they were gonna be photochromatic. So I stayed. In, basically, bottom line is I stayed in Portland, Maine, for a year. Uh, still look back on it's just such, it's such a great town, great city. It is uh, a great place. First day, first day on TV. Um, high, you know, high temperatures, single digits. Low, low temperatures, minus ten, minus twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stayed there for a year, and then went to Winston Salem, North Carolina, as the chief meteorologist at twenty five years old. That was a pretty good job for me. But the thing about going to Winston Salem, North Carolina, is I'd never left New England, so here I am in Winston Salem, North Carolina. And I'm on TV and no one can understand me. And I can't understand them Mm because I'm a pack in the car, chance of a shower. And I'm in the Bible Belt of North Carolina Tobacco Road. So I had to be sent away to speech school for a week at a lady's house in in Dallas, where I sat on a in a kitchen table for a week uh, saying shower, shower. (laughs) Shower, not Shawa. Yeah,
0: so that, uh, that I, I knew that lady. She was really very talented. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked with her. Yes. So well, uh, <laughs> so all right. So th- 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 I I get that. So that's what that's yeah. what stations did back then. Actually, they they you know spent the money, took the time to to uh, yeah. help. They had no choice. Friends.
1: I mean, I would go. Yeah. I would do these school talks, and and I would be at the school. And the kids would be looking at me, and I'd be looking at them, and and there was a definite you know, difficult of communication. Um, they were saying, you know, they probably I, never heard shop- that it?
0: accent before.
1: Well, the, I remember that one, one kid going, can I shop in my writer? I'm going <laughs> in your writer. What does that mean? I mean, it was to sh- sharpen a pencil, but I yeah. never heard it. Yeah. Never heard it that way. So, um, yeah, the so South is an experience. Years. I agree. Yeah, it really is. And then I stayed there four years and it's turned out to be a great, ex- great weather in the Piedmont in mm-hmm. North Carolina, all four seasons. We had a big tornado. Um, a big twenty that went through Winston Salem, um, I think it was back in like eighty eight or eighty nine, and then um, ended up coming to Tampa uh, as as a weekend meteorologist in in nineteen ninety. Um,
0: so how did you and, connect and with with thirteen with Channel thirteen there and and the legendary TV weather guy Roy Leap uh, that built a huge weather facility and you know it was it was this iconic. Yeah, I mean the thing is you. you, you
1: come... You come down and you interview at the station and i knew knew the legacy of roy and you walk into this weather department which at that time we had a brand new tv station was built in 1989 and you walk in brian and i'll tell you the i don't know if you've been in our tv station but the weather the the weather office is the size of most newsrooms uh, <laughs> yeah, <I know.
0: laughs>
1: and and it's, it's still to this point we, we, we always say we have so much space that we need to utilize better and it was really something that almost took my breath away because I'd, I'd worked you know when i was up in portland maine i had a little little cubicle in the corner mm-hmm. right and when i was in winston-salem i had my little spot in the corner of of a newsroom like a little desk and that was it with the with the graphics and here i am walking in and you feel like you're walking into nasa mm-hmm. i mean it was it was a, monitors we had you know we had um we had a, he was the first first weather tv station to have local weather um the whole weather office is run by IBM mainframe computers, and and we had yeah, the, the radar
0: going way back, uh, yeah. to the fifties. I mean, it was it. Uh, I mean, I knew Roy, but I've never been to the right. station. Um, and uh, Roy was an FSU guy, and we yeah. connected, uh, you know, in the nineties uh, because of that before. He retired. And, and, you know, I lived over on the East Coast of, of Florida as a kid, over right. in the Melbourne area. And I put up a big antenna so I could see the Big 13 from uh, Tampa because they did the news in color starting in, right. in 1966. And the Orlando stations, which were the local stations for the Melbourne area, uh, just did black and white. And I should mention, by the way, that the guy before Roy Leap at 13 was Charlie Stump. And Charlie sure, yeah. Stump, right, was this first meteorologist, uh, one of right. the first meteorologists um, in the country, but certainly the first in Florida on uh, Channel 13 in, in Tampa, St. Pete, and he went to Orlando. So he was the guy that was on uh, that I I watched on yeah. um, on WSH Channel Two, but of course right. I watched him in black and white, and when I could get Channel 13 from Tampa, St. Pete, it was uh, it was in color. So. I, yeah, it's I, crazy cuz I mean
1: I mean the the TV station technically I mean I guess there was a chief meteorologist briefly before Roy but I mean Yeah, that was Charlie. That was two, Charlie time. Yeah, there was so I guess you'd say three chief meteorologists in the history of the TV station. Right. And which is, you know, I, I mean literally, I mean there are some stations that will go through three chief meteorologists in 3 years.
0: Exactly.
1: So in in the whole history of the tv station there's been three me roy and charlie and and um you're just just walking in there and and looking at you know it's tough to say no to a job offer from a tv station like that especially when you know i'm kind of a geek i mean i i take my weather seriously and to be able to work there i figured at the very least i would get an instant credibility for, for working in that weather department uh because it was and it is still is recognized around the country as one of the better uh, TV stations as far as weather goes,
0: and it's turned out uh, incredible people uh, from all over the country, including uh, actually one of my mentors, Pete Giddings, who I worked yeah. with. And my first full-time weather job was in San Francisco, and and I worked for Pete, and I learned uh, I, I learned an awful lot. Did you yeah. when you went down there? When I went to San Francisco, I came out of FSU. And um, worked in Tallahassee, and then I went to San Francisco. And forecasting West Coast weather was like a completely different planet. I mean, it was, if yeah. Pete hadn't been there, I don't know what I would have done because it was really a foreign thing. Well, my, the
1: microclimates are incredible. With the
0: microclimates yeah. and, and the, you know, the marine layer and right. the depth of the marine layer and uh, yeah. the coastal ranges and the gaps in the coastal ranges yeah. and <laughs> all this uh, stuff that you have to kind of get in your mind before you can make a forecast for the Bay Area. And, uh, but uh, when you went down to Florida, I mean, that's about the opposite from, From New England, and I I guess the Piedmont is a little bit in the middle, but still, Gulf Coast weather is a completely different thing. Yeah, and and I I tell you you that I say,
1: I'll say this now, and I say it on TV a lot. I mean, anyone that says, you know, you know this, Brian, when you say you live in Florida and you're a weatherman or meteorologist, they they say, okay, you live, big deal. You know, you're there, uh, partly cloudy, it rains at four o'clock in the afternoon, and it's done. And then I say, well, if if anything it doesn't really rain that I mean it does but sometimes it's not (laughs) it's it's not four o'clock in the afternoon and I mean sure I I mean I'm sitting here now in Tampa and during the course of the summer we'll get some thunderstorms at four o'clock in the afternoon but more often than not it's not it's not raining at four o'clock and it's happening this past couple of days uh I've been we've had rain at night and we've had a southwest wind so the weather here is is a lot more challenging than than people think it's it's about the timing of the rain in the summer it's the amount of rain um it's it's hard i mean the the winters are actually you know obviously a lot easier because we'll we'll get long stretches of low humidity and a lot of sunshine but every market has its challenges and for us you know it's it's thunderstorm activity timing and of course uh, the risk of tropical activity from the from the gulf and the caribbean the atlantic
0: yeah Let's take a quick pause. We'll be right back on the Fox Weather Tracking the Tropics podcast in just a moment. So you started doing the the weekends, but then you ended up uh, on the morning. So how had that, you know, had you done that shift before? I mean, it's, uh, it's unfun
1: it's hard i mean and and the thing that and i think what's good about that shift is that you really have to i mean you know you're a meteorologist but any meteorologist that's that's doing a morning show becomes part of 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 a show and and you have to show more personality there's more ad-libbing um and you're on a lot before you know it you're you're reading school lunches Mm -hmm. and you're playing little games and and you're half meteorologist and you're half half host and i think that in itself kind of makes you become a better broadcaster because mm-hmm. you just kind of have to get out of your little weather bubble and start opening up and and becoming more of a personality than maybe uh, you're not when you're when you're doing the evening shows and the weekend shows because everything is here's do your three minutes of weather and you're done in the morning you're, you're kind of involved with four or five other people and you become kind of part of a family and it's kind of fun uh the shift's hard because you know who wants to get up at 3 30 in the morning I'm not a morning person I remember leaving this house at 3.30 going, you got to be kidding me. I mean, uh, it's 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 hard. And some people can do and it now. They
0: do it later, you know, and and now yeah. they, they are now. We I mean, now 4. they do it earlier. People go in yeah. at two o'clock in the morning. Now uh,
1: it's hard. And then the thing is, not only do you have to be at the station, but you have to be on your game. So mm-hmm. you have to be up and you have to be at it. You can't be 40 to 50 percent. You got to be at it and going. And, and our morning show is four to ten, four yeah. to ten local news. And now, Dave Osterberg, who's our morning guy, I say, Dave, how do you do that? And he goes, he goes, dude, it's hard. But, you know, I leave at 10 and I take a nap and I just have it down to a science. But it's not easy. And the older you get, that, that shift is, is, is tough.
0: Yeah, but, you know, uh, I, I recommend to young meteorologists that they take those morning jobs because exactly yeah. what you said, that you have all these different times you're on TV, you have to just make yourself be good. On the morning yeah. show, and uh, it really it really molds you as a personality. I think, and, and it does. It makes
1: you. it made a big difference in my career. And um, it was more than just standing in front of, of you know. When you're right because you're on you're on the morning show. I think Dave told me he's on like 47 times a morning. So when you're on that much, you you're, you're talking. And any young meteorologist, you want to be on TV as much as you can.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it is the best thing to get started. But but I, I I never could stand that shift. I never had to do a whole lot of it. But boy, it was uh, something. So so Roy Lee retires in 1997, and and that was a huge event in the uh, in the Tampa market. I re, I remember that. And for you, uh, I imagine, what do you remember about that time?
1: I just remember the, realizing that I had some pretty pretty big um, shoes to fill. I was fortunate. And I, you know, I had been there seven years, so it, it it was a it was a big opportunity. But I think I had confidence that I could do it. Um, the station did a nice job of promoting me. Um, I'd been there just long enough where people knew me. Um,
0: yeah, and that was back so, when TV had impact, when when you really could come into a market and establish yourself. It yeah, when I first to came, we,
1: we were we were a CBS station. I mean, we, and the ratings that we would get in the evening for some of these shows were like, you know, you look back and 15 ratings, 13 ratings, 12 ratings, you know, it's the numbers were absurd. Um, And then we went from CBS to Fox as part of that big shift in the early 90s, 93 maybe was the shift. And uh, that's a big transition when you go from, you know, CBS, uh, the Golden Girls, what else was on CBS? Back?
0: Well, no, Golden Girls were NBC, but but yeah. Oh no,
1: you're right. Not Golden Girls. Um, Murder She Wrote.
0: Murder She Wrote. Yes, exactly. But there are yeah. all these and iconic CBS shows for CBS sure. CBS shows. Yeah.
1: And then you go from Matt to Fox to to right. The Simpsons, and you go, how the heck are you going to make that transition work? And it did. We 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 maintained our our news legacy, and and we have been the powerhouse station in this market from CBS to Fox forever.
0: Um, And the news went to 10 o'clock at night, which uh, I think fit so well with the demographics in the market. uh, market, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and um, so I think the transition went well. The thing that was I remember back about it was 97 and you remember weather wise in 97, it was a huge El Nino winter. So I took over for Roy in November of 97 and that December. And again, winters are dry, dry season. Mm -hmm. And I think we had around 18 inches of rain uh, in December. And that's, that's unheard of. I mean, we, if 18 inches in July is for us would be monumental, but we had, we had just rounds of, of fronts and storms that kind of rolled across the Gulf of Mexico. And, and we ended up with, you know, just an incredible winter of 97, 98, which that, that El Nino winter was something else.
0: Yeah. That was a a really strong El Nino. So did, did you have a, a plan when you know when you became the chief there replacing an icon you know had to be in your mind as something that you were going to do to make yourself stand out or was it just you know be as good as you can be and take it day by day
1: well i I tell you it's one thing roy and i had in common is is we we take our jobs seriously but you know i also thought it was it was important that that i just be, be myself and and you know, one thing about this business, if, you know, you can't look at someone else and say, I want to be like him or I want to be like her because you'll fail. You just have to be yourself and whatever your personality is, that's your personality. If if you have a good sense of humor, uh, you should use it on TV. If you're mm-hmm. if you really don't, then don't don't try to be funny that much. Um, yeah, be so authentic. I just, exactly. Right. Just be yourself. Mm-hmm. To don't don't. Try to emulate anybody else, and, and I did, never went into his this job and said I need to be another Roy Lee. I just said I have to be who I am, and and that's what I've I've done. I mean, I, I have my own personality, my own ways, but by the same token, I, I think I had a responsibility to follow in Roy's footsteps, and that's to take my job seriously. So we take a job seriously, but at the same time, you try to have a little bit of fun. You, you try to connect with the viewers and with your personality. I think it's worked out pretty well for me in the station.
0: So when you came to Tampa, did you appreciate the magnitude of the hurricane problem in that area?
1: Um, I think I just knew it was something that, that was a big part of our climate and something mm-hmm. that, know, um, when I came there, we really had, I'm trying to think back, um, you know, the storm that I remember obviously was Andrew. Um, right. I just remember being on TV and, and we covered it. We the, the, the good thing about our station is, is, you know, we cover these hurricane events as if they're coming here, as if they're coming to Tampa. So even though Andrew wasn't coming here, we still cover it as it's coming here. So I remember Roy was it.
0: really proud of the fact that his big radar, yeah. which was this monumental radar, could see Andrew... From from the station yeah, there, where the radar was on in that the
1: back of my office, there's a right. huge poster of of our radar showing the eye of, of Andrew going across the Everglades.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we picked it up, you know, up, all the way up here in Tampa, and that's huge. Still there, and um, and, and we tracked it all the way across the state, and that was and it was a big promotion. But you know, really it had nothing, nothing here right. in Tampa Bay because we were on the regardless of the storm, we're kind of on the on the north side so the winds were mainly east northeast we had no flooding and and it was pretty much a non-event for us but obviously not a non-event in south florida
0: yeah well it was a relatively small physically small compact uh, storm compact storm yeah so the the big events in in uh, the tampa st petersburg area, you know, are like 1950, 1921, I mean, not to mention the biggest one in 1848, right? Right. Uh, do you talk about those like long ago storms or how do you talk about the hurricane threat there?
1: All, all the time. I mean, when I'm, when I'm doing the old Kiwanis Club meetings and, mm-hmm. the, and the school talks and hurricane specials, and it's always about, really, it's a lot about the 1921 storm mm-hmm. because um, so much about that storm is relevant in the sense it happened in October. And we we really harp on the fact that on the west coast of Florida, if we're going to get a a direct hit and a storm coming up in the Gulf, I'd say it can't happen in in July and August and September, but just the way the upper level winds are, it's more apt to happen either very early in the season. And if it does early, it's probably not going to be a very powerful storm, but it's going to be probably a late September, October storm. And that's what the hurricane of 1921 was a, a, a right. mid to late october storm um and if that was to repeat itself now and no reason why i can't it, it would be you know incredible devastation
0: yeah so there's a like category know. three went in near cedar key i think to, yep. to the north uh, i went cedar. in
1: um yeah just north of tampa bay and then um you know we had a southwest wind blow across tampa bay probably you know 110 120 and all kinds of you know all kinds of damage and mm-hmm. Fortunately, back then, there wasn't a lot here, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but if if it was to repeat itself now, it would would obviously not be good.
0: Yeah, I wrote in my book that I wrote uh, 15 years ago now that, you know, the people in Tampa should be looking at Providence. (laughs) where they got a whole series of storms that pushed the water up Narragansett Bay, right, and flooded downtown Providence, right, kept happening, kept happening, and finally they put up a big dike over, you know, to stop the water from from doing that, that they put out there if there's a hurricane, because it's the same kind of configuration if you get that storm just to the left of the entrance of that big Bayfront, right
1: yeah and anyone who lands i mean it's funny when you land at, at tampa international uh, which is a great airport but if you land from the south mm-hmm. you'll end up kind of curving down through pinellas county and if you look out the window and you see these homes and, and you just i mean i mean from the vantage point of a plane they look like they're on the water yeah i mean it's, it's all flat it, it all looks like it's, it's at the level flat. one level
0: you're right same yeah, thing in miami by right the way well. it has that same kind of look about it when you come and in on this bay. Way. Yeah. if you add
1: 10, 10 feet of water to that water <laughs> all those homes are going to be in trouble and it's true right. I mean the evacuation zone maps are, are are not pretty for us I mean the, the, the zone a is is extensive yep. and so then zone a
0: meaning category one storm nominally yeah, right, right? Yeah. yeah so if you, yeah if you read accounts of the September 1848 storm I mean sure. it's just uh, uh, you yeah, know it it's just yeah. scary to think about what would happen the water went all the way across Pinellas County you know, where St. Pete is. And then there was another one in October, (laughs) three weeks later, that wasn't quite um, as strong. But, you know, I guess it's true. Like you say, of any Tampa Bay hurricane, there's just a lot of people living on land that the water is going to take over. I mean, it's just a lot of low territory there. How 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 do you communicate? I mean, there's so many issues of getting people to motivated to move because they have to move if if this could happen. Um, you know, I'm sure you've thought this out and kind of come close to yeah, having implemented I mean, it a few times. It's,
1: it's on so many different levels. I mean, I, we could start with discussing the fact that we probably have a lot of viewers um, that don't understand that if you're if you're living in Lakeland or you're living in Plant City or towns that are inland, that they're not in an evacuation zone, right. and, and that in itself is a challenge because everyone thinks they're in an evacuation zone. They don't and they a lot of people don't understand. You're you're not in an evacuation zone because it's going to be windy. You're in an evac- evacuation zone because the Gulf of Mexico could end up in your living room. That, that, yeah. that That's why you're that's why you're evacuating. And, and I think that message in itself sometimes is complicated because I get emails in October and, and July saying, Hey, I live in I live in Dade City, which is way inland uh what now what, what level do i go is it b or d here what is it and, and people don't understand that it's oh, it's yeah. you're escaping the water is, is what you're doing that itself is sometimes a difficult message
0: yeah do you think the people that live uh in pinellas or uh, along tampa bay or old tampa bay or on the inner bay peninsula there south of downtown realize how low the ground is they live on it, it really is and that you know a category one would would flood them that they don't have to you know let alone a category three or four it doesn't have to be some kind of extreme. extreme yeah, event.
1: well you, you would hope you would hope when they get their their flood insurance bill every year that at least would remind them when they're writing out that check. Um, yeah, I mean I think I, I mean I think people are cognizant of it. I, I I think a lot of it is, you know how it is in life the day by day there's uh, so much to worry about. COVID, I mean economy where you go down your list of things in your head that you think about in a day by day, a lot of it is, in fact, my dogs going to end up hopping up here, Brody. Uh,
0: <laughs> your famous dog. Yes. You is, want to introduce the dog? <laughs> whenever
1: he knows when I'm, when I'm talking that he, want, that he wants to come up and say, hi, it's kind of like a thing. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, 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 I just think that there's so much that we think about in, in our daily lives. And we look out, the, look, look out the window here, there's not a cloud in the sky that you kind of worry about it later. Yeah. When, when, I, when, it, when it's coming, I'll worry about it then. Yeah. And that, I think that's how it is for, for most people. You do urge people to have a plan, so you hope that if, you know, in, in a week from now, if, if a hurricane was approaching from the Caribbean, that people would, be, would take it seriously and, and use the plan that they, that they hopefully have put together.
0: Well, my experience in South Florida, over a lot of years of this, is that, oh, maybe 20% of the people really are ready. And the rest of them deal with it in some level. Some of yeah. them have, just don't want to think about it intentionally. Right. They don't want to think about yeah. it because right. it's a pain in the neck to think about, right? Uh, and, yeah, I think and, they, rather not. and I think a lot of people think I, I'll always have time. Right. Uh, unlike,
1: unlike a tornado coming that you just have to scurry and get into a safe place. I, I, I think people always say I always have the benefit of time. I have a week. Mm-hmm. If the storm's coming, I'll have five days and I'll worry about it then. And then when those five days come, you don't understand, you know, all the stuff you have to do. And then you're then you're battling other people who also said, I've got five days to do this. So you're in line here, you're in line there, you're trying to get water, you're trying to do this. And it becomes kind of difficult for those five days.
0: Yeah, and if you have to evacuate, there's only so many roads right. going someplace safe, right? When you go out and talk to folks in the area there, do you... Do, does it seem like they know where they would go? Do they have a, a vision in their mind where they would go? I mean, here in South Florida, the, the uh, you know, people have done this enough that, I mean, they think they're, you know, okay, we're going to Orlando, they used to say. Right. And then in Irma, they learned, well, there's no hotels in Orlando anymore, so we have to keep going to Atlanta. You know, so there's just more practice uh, coming out of South Florida than there is right. out of the Tampa Bay area. I just wonder if people really have a vision.
1: You know, I think, and I think this is one thing I've talked a lot about, Brian, is is that I think we, we have a problem here. We had a problem with Irma. Um, is that if a big storm has come, people just want to leave. Mm-hmm. So even though they're in a well-built home that is, has no chance of flooding, they don't want to be part of it. Right. They just want to get out. So I can't tell you the number of people that left here during irma and went to um atlanta went to jacksonville went to orlando and the number of people that left here went somewhere else and end up losing power and having a more difficult situation where they went than if they would have had if they simply had stayed
0: and then it was a pain in the neck to get back
1: <laughs> and we, we have i-75 that, right. that heads up to atlanta and i say the last thing you ever want to do is plop yourself on I seventy five, and and try to get out of here two days before a hurricane hits, and and one person runs out of gas or there's an accident, it's just it's just a nightmare. It's not fun. And I always say your home's your castle. So if you if you can stay, I always say you're better off staying. Um, or
0: you leave you very know, very early. I mean, you just decide oh, we're going to yeah. take a vacation this week, and we're going to button up right. the house and take a vacation five days before. And most you of the heard, time, I, it I won't, heard, won't yeah. happen.
1: The inbox. The common thing that I heard was, I should have listened to you, and I should have stayed. I should have yeah. listened to you. I left, and what a nightmare! That was a disaster. Right. Um, I mean, there, there, I, mean I'm not, I mean, the thing is, you, you have to leave. I mean, you're, you're, there are times when you have to leave, and you're, you're you could flood. There, there, but, but there's also many, many times where a chunk of our population is not going to flood, and they're in a concrete, you know, block home. Sometimes you're you better off staying.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a yeah. dilemma. I mean, it's the same thing yeah. in South Florida for sure. Hey, Brian here. I'll be back with Paul Delegato, the chief meteorologist from Fox 13 in Tampa Bay after this quick break. So how did social media become such a big thing for you? What, what How did that start?
1: Well, I, t- I, t- I just, I kind of saw this coming back and I always tell my news director, like 2010, I just, um, I just started posting stuff on Facebook and just kind of went with it and, and became a day by day thing. And just, it, it's more just, uh, it, it's when you put a lot of time into something, you, you kind of hopefully get something back from it. And I have put. A, a lot of time uh, posting almost every single day uh, on something. And, and, you know, I, I've learned uh, over the years what does work on social media, what doesn't work on social media, what time of day to post, what kind of, I mean, it, it, the thing about social media and it's kind of, again, it, it truly is a love-hate relationship is that um, it does serve a purpose in, in getting eyeballs to, to get into your sphere, get into kind of your life and when there is, um, you know, the pictures of the dog and the pictures of, of, the, of the memes and all that stuff, ah, 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 it's funny, it's great, your dog's great, but you hope when a hurricane is coming that those people are in your sphere and they're going to say, okay, I'm here and now I'm going to follow him. Because when, 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 when it gets tough, when the weather gets bad, you know, Brody goes away and the funny memes go away and it's seven, eight straight days of pure meteorology. Yeah. And that's when it, it really works, because you end up um, you end up people messaging. When are you going to Facebook Live? When are you going live again? When, when's your next post? When, when are you going to and you know, you do these posts and, and, and they're kind of good because you can you can sit for a half hour. If I can find a half hour in the day when a hurricane is coming and you can really explain from your heart what you think is more so even than on TV, because you can just you can make a post and this could happen. That could happen. This is what we need to watch out for. This is what I'm concerned about people love that stuff
0: yeah and then I mean, because there's no they, producer they love, in your ear right there's nobody saying there's the, no, off, no the sense that you have to get off
1: yes the yeah. off the cuff stuff right that is is written like on, like we're talking now yeah um and it's different than what it is on tv and and people love the, those and i'll even sometimes i'll do it i'll just say random thoughts and then you do 20 thoughts of this could happen, that could happen. I remember this happened in, in 21. This happened here. Irma did this. Remember? All kinds of stuff. And telling people you don't, if you're home and you live in Planned City, your home is safe, don't leave. So much, and people love it. So that, that is where I think social media um, makes a huge difference in, in what we do um, and really helps. And it's, and it's in those, those type of
0: cases. And you get, on social media, you get the, the feedback from, from people, which is a big difference, don't you think?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you, you, I would love to be able to sit there and a- answer the comments, because, but then it, it would be my job. I would, I, that would be my job for three days to sit on Facebook and answer people's comments. But you do get a sense of what they're thinking. And, and, and you do once in a while, you see a comment, they say, I have to answer this because you, this, we have to straighten this out.
0: Yeah, but, I, I think um, it makes you a better broadcaster if you have that input yeah. that you don't have on TV.
1: I agree. I agree hundred um, percent. So I, I think it played and I think those Facebook lives, you know, we, we have done Facebook lives and my news directors come in and said, the number of views you have on that Facebook live is like rating points. I mean, it, it, uh, that's a big number because that, that's that's a huge. We'd have two, three, four, five hundred thousand five hundred thousand views mm-hmm. on these on these Facebook lives, sometimes over a million um, and they're all around the world. They come to the point where when Irma was coming, it seems like anyone that had any connection to Tampa, Bay, they could have been in China. They could have been in, in Sydney, Australia. I was looking down. Hey, I'm in Sydney. I used to live in. in Ta- I'm following. I, I, I can't. So it becomes it becomes a big deal. And 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 again, that that's what when I think social media in our business really works.
0: You know, it's a, the way television has evolved in these days, where we have so many more video sources and things are computerized yeah. and and whatnot. You know, back. If you look at the videos from Hurricane Andrew coverage, I mean that's what I was doing. I was essentially doing right. what we're doing here today, yeah, exactly. right? Talking exactly. about it and spent hours and hours and hours doing that, and and people really appreciated that. But but TV isn't structured that way. Now you have this little window of time. It's not little. I mean they give you substantial time, I'm sure, uh, but but still it's from there to there. You're, you put in your when graphics. You're
1: talking- and, there's, and when you're talking and the producer just says, you can go, and you know in the back of your head you have no time limit, you do have a tendency to become more conversational because you know you're not up to, i got to end this in, in a minute and a half. And you yeah. kind of you broadcast differently when you know you have an endpoint. But when you don't have an endpoint, point, it's, I think it's, more e- it's easier to become more one-on-one conversational because that's how you talk, and that's how it ends up going, and people really connect to that. That kind of conversational off the cuff way
0: yeah um, um i agree with that and you know back in again in andrew's time we heard from viewers because we had a special phone number that were right. in the lead up to it people called and just asked questions ask questions ask questions right. you know non-stop hundreds of them and mm-hmm. you know that was the way we interacted but i, I really do think that that yeah. that made me a better broadcaster is because sure. you people ask kind of the dumbest questions but then you go oh i get where they're coming from and where the confusion point is you know and and it really does help so when you go to continuous coverage because there's some kind of big uh event how do you see you know facebook and twitter and all that working because i mean you only have so many hours in the day right or only have so many minutes in the hour is maybe a better way to put it
1: yeah i mean i'll be honest i mean I remember when IRMA was coming, um, we weren't on continuously back this, the days leading up. I mean, we're not on nonstop with IRMA coverage, but I remember getting up at, at, at two o'clock in the morning and, and looking at the European model coming in and <laughs> sitting sitting in my office with, with the light on and, and putting a post together at 2.30 at, in the morning and hitting send and then going back to bed and then waking up, and then redoing it again when the when the six Z data came in, and it, it becomes it's a, it's hard, but you know you're running on adrenaline. It's 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 something that that you, you you'll know you'll get through. And as hard as it is, you know it is our Super Bowl. And, yeah. I mean this is this is our Super Bowl, and 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 we don't want anyone to you know have issues or have problems in their lives with a, with an approaching hurricane. But as far as we're concerned. This is when what we do is is the most important thing that we do. So you, 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 sometimes it's 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 sleeping three hours a day for, for five or six days.
0: I guess right. uh, a good thing is that when a hurricane is coming, and if you do go into some kind of continuous coverage, that more people watch television, right? right? More people turn on the television. Right. And these days, what's on television is online as well. So I, I think you know when it's in that it's it's approaching. Time period, then you can, in some sense, do less just exclusively for online. If you if people know where they can watch, because yeah. they're kind of in a different mode mentally. And and uh, I mean, I've thought about this. If you know, if if it had to be continuous, where I'm focused on the television product on you know three or four times an hour, so all I could really do was post in between TV hits. You know how much could I do? <laughs> could I do a you know a you know a thousand word? I would do those sometimes yeah. fifteen hundred word posts. You know I don't see how yeah. to do that though. You know in some sort of of uh, more imminent time frame.
1: It's yeah. Well, it's hard. I mean, leading up when when you have the storm coming up up the state, you, you, it's hard to get in front of a computer and, and put a fifteen hundred word post. Yeah, uh, I, you know, it's you can do it once in a while if you have five people. You know, everyone at the weather office is there, so you you'll say hey. You know, Tyler, can can you do me a favor? Go, can you write a big post, do a blog, mm-hmm. something? But as you, when you get into the midst of, of the storm happening, it, it's hard to. I mean, you do a quick post, and but it's it becomes more TV yeah. centric.
0: I yeah, think. I think so yeah. too. Yeah, has as the balance between, you know, what you do online and and the amount of you know uh, CPU cycles in your brain that you allocate to TV leveled out? Do you think, or is it going to continue to evolve? Or, you know i'm asking you to predict the future here on how what what's on digital and social media versus what's on tv is somehow you know going to become something different or do you think we've found some kind of balance
1: i don't know i mean you know you just wonder you know everything kind of goes in cycles and and the hot thing one year is not the hot thing 5 years from now so you wonder the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram thing, you know, in five years from now, I'm sure it's going to be different. I, I just don't know, will, we the, will, the, will Instagram be the thing? Will Facebook go away? I mean, will there be another platform that'll come on and we will find ways to do things differently? I mean, I look back on some of my old stuff from five or 10 years ago, and it's probably a lot different now than it was five, 10 years ago. So it's, it always evolves and yeah. and there's always something out there that, that you will say boy if i had saw that coming five years ago i'd really have it made now
0: yeah so, and, you know. and we have an issue don't we that the young people don't really watch tv oh no. and, well, I tell you, and when i'm out i was in, I was in we starbucks the
1: other day and when this lady came up and she's probably you know 25 30 years old and introduced mm-hmm. her so yeah i watch you all the time i said you watch me you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she says, yeah why wouldn't i, I says well I, I always say whenever i see someone Who's, who's young that watches, I'm impressed. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I was making dinner, I have the TV on, I'm watching the news. And I think that's, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not really the norm anymore because there's so much, you know, my, my kids will sit on the couch all day, not all day, but most of the day, and they're on TikTok, and they're on Instagram, and that's their day. You know, when I was a kid, I was watching, I was flipping the, the channels, some four, five, and seven, watching, watching the news nonstop, yeah. and th- those kids are on Instagram now.
0: Yeah, or or TikTok, as you say. Have you thought about, you haven't, you know, I I have thought about this and people have said, you got to go on TikTok. If you want those, you know, if you want young people to know what's happening with a hurricane, it's got to be on TikTok. Have you thought about how in the world you would do do TikTok to make it make sense on any kind of regular basis? I
1: I haven't, but um, because just posting a three-minute weathercast on TikToks, we're probably not going to get it done. Yeah. It has to be some some sort of catch something to make it whether it's kind of produced. Uh, you know, but you're right. Any any place that those eyes are is you want them to somehow watch watch what you're doing, but Yeah. Thanks a lot. Now something else I've got to think about. <laughs> yeah. No, Thank it's uh, it's, it's yeah. uh, really <laughs> tricky.
0: So all right, Paul, I I, um, I sure hope the hurricanes stay away from Tampa Bay this year, but if something happens, I'll look forward to working with you.
1: We'll we'll talk. I'm sure at some point. Hopefully not much. Yeah. That's in the Gulf yeah. right now, which doesn't appear much. But this, I always say that this this time, I always try to try when I take vacation. It's usually, um, it's usually July to early August. Cause thankfully, that's usually pretty pretty quiet mm-hmm. for us. Then things get going in mid August.
0: Yeah, late um, or after July Fourth is usually yes. my time. Late June to after July Fourth. That's usually my time. All right, Paul. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, buddy. I'll be right back. And welcome back. To me, it feels like a tricky job in the Tampa area or in southwest Florida, down by Fort Myers and Naples, to be a broadcast meteorologist. Like in the Miami area before Hurricane Andrew, which was now 30 years ago, very few people in South Florida then had the experience with a hurricane and kind of knew what they were going to do. It had been 27 years since Hurricane Betsy hit South Florida. That was in 1965. There was a scare in 1979 from Hurricane David in the Miami area, but it didn't materialize. Although David did do damage north of Palm Beach around Jupiter, but still it wasn't a super strong storm there either. It's been a lot longer time in Tampa. There have been some scares and close calls, but you have to go back to 1950 for a direct hit of significance. Hurricane Easy, that one was called. And then there's 1921, of course, that Paul was talking about. And the great storms of 1848, I mean, you know, Tampa was barely there. In fact, it was Fort Brook at that time, but there are some pretty good records from 1848, so we know how deep the water was and how dangerous a big storm like that would be again. So how do you motivate all those people in the Tampa Bay area to get to safety? It's tricky like I said, but Paul's presence on Facebook and Twitter and no doubt the strength of Fox 13 there in the TV station is going to be a help, but still, it's a daunting proposition. So be sure you subscribe to our Tracking the Tropics podcast. Our next one will be in a couple weeks we'll talk to Dr. Ben Kirkman from the University of Miami about forecasts during the hurricane season for the hurricane season and his work studying hurricanes. He has extensive experience that's coming up toward the end of July and of course we'll continue through the hurricane season with experts in the world of hurricanes and weather. And remember to download the Fox Weather app. You can watch the live stream of Fox Weather on your phone or iPad by just clicking in the upper right there on the app. And you can watch Fox Weather at foxweather.com, on the Roku channel, on YouTube TV, and lots of other streaming platforms. So be sure to check us out there. I'll see you there on the Fox Weather stream. And follow me on Twitter at bnorcross and on Facebook and Instagram as well. So until the next time, I'm Brian Norcross. Be well and stay informed.
1: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download
0: now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.